Before we share in this word together, I just want to say a special word of thanks to John Branning and, and to Corey and to Ben for preaching. As we began to pray through and talk through this series last fall, um, we, we said we were going to follow the last words of Christ from the cross, and I just kind of gave it to them. When, when would be a fitting time for them uh, to preach? And so they, they kind of picked the first three Sundays. I had not planned uh, to be out of the pulpit. I felt it was kind of a pastoral coup. They were trying to take over, um, but it's special thanks to the music ministry and to our pastors and preachers. It's been a rich, rich season of worship in this Lenten season. Now, I will say I want to share a little bit of frustration. Uh, they got to pick their passages. Uh, nobody picked the, my God, my God, why is thou forsaken me passage. So I'm, we'll be looking at that on Monday, Thursday uh, together. And today we're in a passage that as we look at it, we might think, how are we going to preach a sermon out of I thirst? What do you, what do, you do with that? As we, as we dive into this passage, there's so much here to learn of who Christ is, but also to remind ourselves of who we are to be in him. What are his last words? As you have heard over these weeks, last words can leave a deep and lasting impression. I was blessed to be able to, to, to be in that holy moment uh, when my father-in-law left to be with Jesus a few weeks ago. I won't share that private time uh, with you other than to say to be able to, to be there and to listen to his wife speak a word over him and his daughter to speak a word over him, and then he was gone. He went to be with Jesus. What those words meant, what they still mean to me today. Last words, Sarah's grandfather, I told you about him, a trailblazing uh, missionary in Brazil, had a, had a wonderful ministry. He was so effective that some of the churches there who were in, literally infected with voodoo put bounties on his head to kill him because he was drawing people to Jesus and the gospel. Fruitful ministry, but then also just his faithfulness to leave the mission field to care for his wife because he made a vow. And when she began to have heart issues, he went home to be with her and to care for her. A faithful man in his last days on his deathbed. We get wonderful words from John Wesley and other saints in their last words. What is it that Reverend Sloop says, his last moments? I wonder what God let him see. Because his friends testified that right before he passed, he said, it's beautiful. Oh, it's so beautiful. And he passed. Last words. What do we get here from Christ? These words, I thirst. What do they say to us about the cross bearer? Because understand this, it's late. This is not a first words. This is just at the end. After this word, then there's going to be just a few more words quickly after this, and then it's over. As John's gospel would say, it's been a theme from, from the very first miracle to now. The hour that we've been waiting on, the hour has come. The death of Christ has come. And here he is fulfilling scripture, saying in these words, I thirst. And it's towards the end. And again, remember now, you know this from Sunday school. This crucifixions could last a day, two days, a week. But you know in reading your word that Jesus has been beaten severely. 
He's already lost an incredible amount of blood. He's exhausted. And this is the very end. The hour is at hand. And we get these two words, I thirst. Now, as we go into these words, first I want us to see a theme. It's a theme that we see throughout the Gospel of John. As we look at this passage, as John here is recording the cross, the crucifixion of Christ, he is given this drink, and John goes out of his way. The other Gospel writers don't tell us. They say it's a branch, but John goes out of his way to let us know, and he's writing this decades later under the inspiration of the Spirit. He's writing us and says to us, it was hyssop that brought that drink up to Jesus. For him to taste of it. Now, listen, if I said to you that they had turned a cowbell upside down and they had put something inside of it, you wouldn't be thinking about what's inside of it. What would you be thinking? That Mississippi State guy's mentioning cowbells in the sermon. House, house, you, that would have significance. It, you may, you, you know, cowbell to somebody somebody where else wouldn't mean anything. I say cowbell, and I'm going to get emails tomorrow because I mentioned that from the platform. Hyssop matters. I wonder if that's why John mentions it. The scripture doesn't argue for that, but when you and I hear that word, our memories uh, should be sparked. Our hearts should be stirred as we go through the scriptures and we remind ourselves what exactly that means, what it says to us of the sacrificial death of Christ uh, for us. In the middle of that of, of that agony in the middle of that horror in that middle as we've heard from 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 and uh, uh john and uh, ben last week of, of jesus caring for others and giving himself to others here we have this allusion really to, to passover passovers happen three different times now in john's gospel the other gospel writers don't do that for us but this illusion this imagery of exodus and moses has already been in the gospel of john and now you have him taking hyssop it was that branch that would have been dipped in the lamb's blood at the exodus at passover that would have been put on the doors the blood of the lamb dipped in hyssop put on the doors and now it is as we've just sung together the very lamb of god who's bleeding for us and it's hyssop that reaches his lips to take this what is a second cup as you walk through the old testament hyssop with jews leviticus 14 to heal diseases exodus 12 as we said to make the sign on the doorpost but then you go to numbers 19 it's a cleansing ritual when you get to psalm 51 and david's confronted by by just the wreckage of his life and the the horrific sin in his life and he's crying out to god to create a new spirit within him what is it that he also cries out Cleanse me, purify me with hyssop, so I shall be clean. They raise this cup to Jesus in its hyssop, reminding us again that the Passover lamb, the very lamb of God, has come for us. Is that a need for you today? Just as David cried out, Lord, would you, would you make me clean? The very branch that would make clean is, 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 is offered to the one who ultimately is the one who makes us clean. You need to come before him today and say, make me clean, purify me, not with hyssop, but by the very Lamb of God. It's great imagery here to remind us again that Jesus came to make atonement for our sins. 
But there's, there's, there's also much more going on besides that. Not only do we see his sacrificial death, but what else do we see in his words here? Jesus Christ, and John's been arguing this from page one, word one, in the beginning was the word. This is the word of God. You get to verse 14. And he is God himself who's tabernacled with men. He became flesh. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. This is God himself, the second person of the Holy Trinity, has become one of us. We went through our Hebrews sermon series uh, at, the turn, at the beginning of the year. We're reminded again that he knows, we have a high priest who knows our weaknesses, who, who knows what we go through. He's tempted in all things. And here we're reminded as well of that same gift, that the one who is the word, who's always been, he knows our stuff and he's been through it to the point of even saying at death, I thirst. He knows our weaknesses. He knows our struggles. He knows our hurts. Here we see him fully human, beaten, exhausted, and thirsty. Now, Renee rightly said, and we'll talk about this in upcoming sermons because this happens over and over again on the cross, and it's a good word to us. This is the fulfillment of Scripture. Psalm 69, 20, 21, and for my thirst they gave me vinegar to drink. But we can't miss here that the second person of the Holy Trinity was thirsty. I like what one famed theologian said. I can never myself believe in God if it were not for the cross. In the real world of pain, how could one worship a God who was immune to it? I turned to that lonely, twisted, tortured figure on the cross, nails through hands and feet, back lacerated, limbs wrenched, brow bleeding from thorn pricks, mouth dry and intolerably thirsty. That is the God for me. He set aside his immunity to pain. He entered our world of flesh and blood, tears and death. There was a, a meeting of theologians of different faiths in Australia several years ago. And one particular Muslim theologian got up and began to critique Jesus. He began to critique the Christian faith. How could Jesus suffer? How could the one who is the cause of all causes, if he is all-powerful God, the cause of all causes, how could he then be affected by pain and by struggle, things like thirst? He goes on to say how preposterous it is, it is that the, this claim that the creator of the universe should be subjected to the forces of his own creation. And a Christian theologian walked up to make response, and he thought, do I have a witty comeback, or do I have some kind of slam dunk I can just smash this guy with? And it's interesting, when he got up, he said, what the Muslim holds as blasphemy, the Christian holds as sacred. God has wounds. It's by his wounds, it's by his stripes that we are healed. He has entered in to whatever hurts we know, whatever, and it's, listen, 
We're talking here about a physical thirst, but there's no telling relationally the horrors. Ben preached so faithfully last week. The horror of dying before your mother. The horror of being exposed to all. The horror of being counted by those around you as a curse because you hang on a cross. The, the emotional struggle of people betraying you, backstabbing you. All that's going on, not just the physical passion play of suffering, all the suffering he's enduring for us. God has wounds. He thirsts. The God who will give to us the water of life, the God who created the oceans and the lakes and the rivers, he thirsts. He knows our struggles. And he knows our hurts. I pray that's a deep encouragement to you. That whatever you're struggling with in the flesh, and we're going to talk about that in, the, in a minute, whatever, whatever relationship, emotional struggle, physical struggle, spiritual struggle, Jesus has walked that road for us. But listen, it goes deeper than that, Christian. It's not only does he want to be for you in that, that's proof to us that he's with us in it as he's on his cross, surrendering his, his, his body to all that they would torture him with. He's in it with us, but he says to the church, you in it? He tabernacled with men and he calls us to do the same church we've got to be incarnational we've got to be as christ was with us in our hurts how is it you and i are in the are doing the hard work of building relationships with broken people struggling people how is it you and i are being vulnerable taking time and getting into people's lives there's a price to be paid for that Uh, jesus has set a beautiful model for us here not only has he entered our world and our struggles and that ought to be a deep encouragement to us but how is it you and i can now live that life the life he lived for us last reminder here in this picture of physical thirst we're, we're also seeing a reminder that Jesus denied himself. He's called us to deny ourselves, take up our crosses and follow him. You're seeing him so beautifully do that here. He could have had his thirst quenched. This is the second cup that's offered to Jesus here. This is not the first cup. As you remember well, he's already denied the first cup that was offered to him. This one he drinks it. This second cup is offered. But what John's gospel doesn't tell us that other gospels do is that first cup that was offered to him was wine mixed with myrrh. Jesus Jesus tasted of it and said, I won't have that. He denied that cup that was offered to him. Uh, Many commentators will remind us of this, that it was typical in that day that if you were on the cross for for that long of season, that they would offer you that drink. Sometimes families would even bring it, wine mixed with myrrh, because it would numb you. It's just horrific. Maybe the most horrific way to die is crucifixion. As you listen to doctors try to describe just what's going on physically and now on top of that you've got all these relational and emotional issues as well as Jesus is carrying the weight of the world on his shoulders for us take the drink numb yourself and just pass out on the cross just suffocate and let it be over and Jesus won't do that he won't do that instead 
he takes this second cup. You go to the book of Numbers, you go to the book of Ruth, this is actually a drink, the one that he does receive, that would have actually refreshed him. I'm not checking out. I have a work to do, and this is the hour, and I will finish this work. Corey beautifully reminded of that, us of that two weeks ago. He came to complete the work, the work that would be sufficient for you and I to escape hell and death. Don't give me this cup. I'll take this cup so I can finish my work. It's a word for us as we look at that, because let's be honest with one another, and Aaron beautifully sang that for us this morning. There is so much from this world that seems to offer us a way to numb whatever we're going through. Jesus denied himself. How do you and I need to see our Savior on his cross anew and say, Lord, this is a season of self-examination. This is a season of Lent. Where am I? With who, who is it? What is it that when I am thirsty, I go to that? I go to this person to numb whatever I'm going through just to get me through another day. What is that for you? And let's leave it right here this morning whether it's praying where you are or at this altar rail, and say to the Lord, no more. I have run to this person. I have run to this stuff. I have run to this drink. I've run to social media. Whatever will get me through, whatever will just help me get through a day and get to the next one, and we go to that. How is it you and I need to run from that today and say to the Lord, it's you. Or as Jesus preached in the Sermon on the Mount, I hunger and I thirst for you. I hunger and I thirst for your righteousness. How is it you and I need to deny ourselves, deny whatever thirst it is? When you go back in John's Gospel, and you know the story well, John chapter 4, when Jesus is, is at the well and he's, and he's talking to that woman who's not only had five husbands, but she's, she's working on her next and uh, he talks to her about thirst. And her response uh, to him is, Sir, give me that water so that I won't get thirsty and, having, and have to come here to draw uh, from this well. Jesus' answer is, everybody who comes to this well is going to be thirsty again. If you and I will come to Jesus Christ, what he reminds her and what he reminds us today is you and I don't have to thirst again. The water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. We're all thirsty. Augustine talked about that. We're all thirsty. How is it you and I today need to deny ourselves, repent of work, to the people we've run to, to the things we've run to, to fill that? And how, how do you just come to Jesus? today. What a gift, by the way. What a gift, not just to your own faith, but what a gift to your kids or grandkids. What a gift to your friendships. What a gift to this culture when you and I have our thirst quenched in Christ Jesus. What a gift when we're not grasping and taking, uh, but you and I are complete in him. And listen, when that happens, 
when you and I are full of his spirit, when you and I are filled by him and our thirst has been quenched by him, it matters. And it will matter to those around you. And they'll be wondering what's different about you. You're not joining us and grasping and taking. I read just this past week, so it happened around this time in 320 AD, and several of the church fathers have mentioned this story, uh, but apparently uh, 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 it was some Roman soldiers in Armenia who took several Christians out on a frozen pond, stripped them of all they had in, in, in the dead of winter, and said, you're going to die out here. We're going to watch you freeze. Uh, but then they put a couple of hot baths in front of them. All you have to do is, is deny the name. But you think about being out there for a minute, two minutes, an hour, two hours, and to see the steam rising off of that bath. All you just simply have to do is deny the name, and you can have this warm bath, and you will live. And after several hours, one of the Christians relented denied the name, and got in the bath. But nobody else moved. Nobody else moved. And so one of the guards let go of his sword. And he took everything he had off. And he went and stood with the Christians and died with them. Because they had denied themselves. They, to what the world looked like, were, were had nothing they were full. They had hungered and thirsted for righteousness. I want to be with them. And I want to be with the one who gave them that kind of faith. What a gift to friends and to culture when you and I are full of Jesus. How is your thirst today? Are you hungering and thirsting for righteousness in the season of self-examination? It's a great question to ask, ask ourselves Jesus didn't have to take that first cup because his will was to do the Father's will. He was full of the Word of God. He was the Word of God. He was full of the purposes of God, and he didn't need that first cup. How is it you and I? How is it you and I need to deny ourselves and have our thirst filled by Jesus? What is it? How is it uh, we need to respond Today, In that hyssop branch, we're reminded of the sacrificial death of Jesus Christ. Do you need his grace anew today? Do you need to, to, to pray to him as David did in Psalm 51 and say, Lord, there are things in my life that are, that are not clean. But I know that the Lamb of God bled so I could be clean. You need to make your confession before him today. What about, what about as you saw him struggle? Where, where, where are the ways? You need to be encouraged that he's in it with you. He's not left you. He's not forsaken you. He's in it with you. But, but he's calling us, church, to be in it with others. What are those steps? What's your next step in a relationship or at work or in community where you will be incarnational and be the grace of Christ to somebody who's broken and who needs Jesus? How is it with your thirst today? How is it you and I need to deny ourselves so that we might taste of the Lord and know his goodness? Let's pray about that. Father, we thank you for this picture we get of your son who gave all for us, who entered in to our hurts and our struggles to give his life for us. 
And so we just pray, Holy Spirit, that you would help us to confess before you if there are places that have been unclean in our lives, that we would receive your grace anew, that you would meet us here. We pray that you would open our eyes, Holy Spirit, to the hurts around us, and that we would enter in, uh, we would enter into those hurts and struggles, Father God, and be the very face of Jesus to those in need. Father, if there are things in our lives that we find ourselves running to instead of running to you with our thirst. Father, we repent of that this morning. Would you meet us with your grace and your fullness? Would you fill us? We are thirsty. We are thirsty for more of you. In Jesus' name, amen. Our hymn of response is hymn 340. Let's stand together as we respond and as we sing.